Hi, I'll have black tea, please. Uh, I'll take a coffee, please. Okay, the black tea, lemon? Um, no thanks. Yeah, you know me. She knows me. What are you getting? I always get a grilled corn muffin. We can share it if you want. It's so good. They grill it and they just smother it with butter. Yeah, cut it. That'd be great. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Good. How you all doing? We're good. Thank you. This is super exciting. It's now that exciting. there's a grilled buttered corn muffin. I come here so much. So you're, she, you're a regular. Yeah. They know you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. know if that's a good thing or not. But. Well, it's a great thing. Come on. This is like, this it's is like, like your cheers. <laughs> As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three. The details are so gory. That's how they're supposed to be And this waiter must be wondering If we're ever gonna leave Hello, 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 John Kim Fay here, and welcome to another episode of Talking at the Diner. It's the show where working musicians and creatives tell me their stories, and we shine a light on what makes the musical middle class tick. Today's guest is an artist I have been wanting to chat with on here for quite a long time. Emily Drinker is someone I consider a world-class vocalist, and I'm not even blowing smoke right now. She has been just one of my favorite singers in the Philadelphia music community for a long time, and she's been on a pretty serious role, both professionally and creatively, for a good while now. Her soulful brand of folk, pop, and rock goes down smooth, whether she's performing with her powerhouse band, The Funky Tea, or in a more intimate format, incorporating live looping. Emily is an artist who has found a way to do what she does using every weapon in her considerable arsenal. Here's a little taste of one of my favorite Emily Drinker songs, one which I've had the pleasure of singing backups on a couple times at her live shows. This is Starting to Feel. Hey, won't you say the night every time? Over the past couple of years, Emily released a full-length album, played at Firefly and the Philadelphia Folk Festival, and has opened for artists like Pat Benatar and J.D. Souther, and along with her band and housemates, has brought the Philly music community together with a festival thrown in her backyard called Cinnamon Fest. And if you're listening to this show prior to November 4th, 2023, you should go check out the fourth installment of this festival on 11-4 in the beautiful Roxborough section of Philadelphia, which is where I met Emily on a sunny October day at Bob's Diner, which is a place I've driven past many a time, but never had occasion to go until I had this great conversation. So, without further delay, 
please enjoy my chat with Emily Drinker right here on Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when we're talking at the diner. So catch me up on what's been going on. <laughs> well, lots of performing. Yeah. Still, which is great. Full time mm-hmm. performing. I'm in a new wedding band, which is not oh, wow. my, you know, end goal, obviously, but it's very exciting because everybody in it is amazing. Oh, that's awesome. It's like super pro people. It's like an eight piece band with horns and all the whole thing. And so that's kind of fun. We just did my friend's wedding in Brooklyn. Oh, right on. Over the weekend. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. And. Wow. So, how long have you been doing that? I've been in wedding bands. Like, I've played many weddings with Brian Tennis, mm-hmm. for instance, throughout the years, but it's not like a typical wedding band because anyone who hires him knows they what already, they're getting, that they're going to have original that music. Kind of like know his you vibe. As yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's sort of a unique thing, and that means we don't go like one song right into the next, into the next. It's not right. like the pace of a traditional wedding like, band. It's more like maybe they're like fans of. Yeah. You guys. So we sneak in. We don't even have to sneak it in. We play original songs yeah. throughout, and we play, and that's you know, more typical stuff too, but in our way. And then the song ends, and everyone claps, and it's more of a concert. Right. It's always fun, but this is like an endless medley that feels like a marathon and I'm going to pass out at the end of it. (laughs) And it is fun. It is a good crew and it's sort of, will be flexible, which is the great part of it. Like I'm not going to be locked into a zillion gigs that I don't want to do, but I just have to point out that something something amazing on here are these magic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, they are magic. And I'm a grit. I grew up eating grits. Yeah. I am. Wow, you can just get a side of it. My uh, grandmother is from San Antonio, and so I'm like a grits person. Nice. And they have magic grits here, so. I'm curious where you grew up, like what your, you know, musical background is and stuff like that, because I, I just love talking to musicians and finding out like what their origin story is you know like tell me a little bit about that I love that I love that you're curious about that um that's what that's part of what makes you tick you know Mm mm-hmm definitely I mean I grew up around here yeah uh we're in Roxborough I grew up in Conshohocken it's like Conchie a couple miles (laughs) down Ridge oh yeah Ridge Ave becomes Ridge Pike and then you're pretty much in my neck of the woods where I grew up um Came here to Bob's Diner many Sundays after church. Mm-hmm. Went to chur- a church in Germantown growing up and so was always doing music. In I did. Okay. Uh, did music stuff there. Always did chorus, you know, in school. Mm-hmm. Acapella was the thing in my high school. You know, I'm still, if I have a bucket list, which I tend to shy away from saying yeah. I have one. Playing in an a cappella group was one of them. You one would kill it. Uh, like your style and your harmonies. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm. 
I could order. Sure. I could order. You go first. I'll do two eggs over medium, please, with, you know, I have to get grits. I know it's not part of any combo. Just butter on the side. Okay. Um, and bacon, too. Yeah. Um, sure, rye. Can Thanks. I please get two sunny side up eggs with uh, bacon well done? Uh, and is there like uh, like hash browns? Home fries. Home fries? I'll do that. Okay, you brought it on you? Yes. Uh, white toast. Can you do my bacon well done as well? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, I'd like a crisp. I know, because sometimes bacon. it's not, and then it's weird. Yeah, like it's a little. Um, look at that. I know. It's so good. Perfect. <laughs> it's my the favorite thing in I mean, life. Come on. Just coming here and getting. That's amazing. Out. It's so good. And, um, and they know. Yeah. What were we talking? <laughs> but anyway, back but to my life. You want to know <laughs> my entire you. autobiography? I'm happy to tell Oblige. you. <laughs> yeah, I local country person, and mm -hmm. when okay. I transferred for high school to. William Penn Charter School, which is down the road from here as well, in East Falls, private Quaker school. Mm -hmm. Acapella was a big thing there. Well, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, I don't know if it was as cool as I thought it was, but they had a group. If you think it's cool, then it's cool. There was a group called the Quaker's Dozen, and it was hard to get into. I know, I know. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> and it was famously, like, really hard to get in. There was only... Like, mm -hmm. 13 people. Only 13 of you. <laughs> and I got in my freshman year and everyone was like, wow, that's a big deal and you're new and like no one knows you. So I felt like that's cool. hot shit mm -hmm. right away, which was good. I needed, my ego needed that as a freshman in high school. Yeah. I mean, brand new school I'm where sure. I didn't know anybody. And so did that and it was really fun and like really thrived in music at yeah. school. And oh, like my awesome. music teacher was amazing in high school. It's a that's huge so part of my life. And... Yeah, and then I was really into musical theater as well back then, and you did some like acting and I did a lot of like theater camp when I was a kid and thought I would be on Broadway. That was my dream. And I went to college in New York City. Oh wow! Thinking, okay, ideal for pursuing Where did you go this. To school in New York. I went to Barnard College. Oh my god! Is, yeah, you know Barnard Women's College yeah. at Columbia. Mm -hmm. You never know because some people. Um, Sometimes they just say Columbia, because not everybody knows Barnard, but right. But then some people get mad about it. They're like, well, you went, you didn't go to Columbia, you went to Barnard. Is You're that like, considered well, one of I the Seven Sisters mm -hmm. colleges? Okay, because my daughter goes to Smith. Oh, hey. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. It's one of the Seven Sisters. Um, they refused to merge with Columbia. They have a unique relationship. It's a hard no. <laughs> Well, it's right. strange because, like, when I went, I felt that there was some tension there mm. between the Columbia College students and the Barnard College undergrad students. Just really? like, oh, you didn't get into Columbia. Oh, um, so kind of like you're a, trying to like like a snobby say you went there, thing. and it's uh -huh. like, well, my degree says both. So mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of my classes Take were it at up Columbia. With the people that write the degrees. Exactly. Like, you know. So it's kind of uh -huh. weird, but. That is interesting. <laughs> Did acapella in college too. So you're here, Quaker's Dozen. Great. You have to have like a punny name. Of course. 
my college group is the Columbia Clefhangers. Love it. <laughs> I always wanted to do like a coffee table book of acapella group pocket. names. I would love like a yearbook. I wonder if like a documentary of some kind exists about acapella music. Have you ever no. looked for one or no? Pitch Perfect was like that. Not not a documentary, but mm -hmm. did you ever see Pitch Perfect? No. It was like um, Anna Kendrick. Okay. She's like a big Hollywood person. I don't know. It was no, like I've a, heard of her. Yeah. yeah, she's in it, and it's it kind of like mocks acapella, but it's fun. It also like oh, it mocks it. <laughs> well, they make it cool, but at first it starts out lame. Kind of like a mighty wind with folk mm -hmm. music. Okay. Um, Interesting. Oh my God! Speaking of a mighty wind, I was just playing an auto harp at the wedding gig. I have to be the first person to ever play auto harp that at the wedding. That is awesome! Oh my God. It was ridiculous, just for one song, but... I've only played a couple of weddings in my day, because it's just such, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people that want, like, an original right. thing at their wedding. And the, it's a totally know, different thing. Yeah. And the uh, one of the only other times I did this, um, my old band Ike was playing at some friend's wedding. And it's... You know, the bride and the groom, or whoever the two people are that are getting married, they are obviously the ones that it's for, and they're the ones that appreciate it, but, like, you, no have, to, you have to take into consideration that there's a hundred other people in the room that, yeah. A, maybe don't know what the connection is, or right. or care. Right. <laughs> and so... That's why it's usually, like, a risky idea. Mm -hmm. Well, we said this up front to our friends, but then, you know... The amount, the, the amount that was being offered was like, you know what? We can do it. We'll, we'll work it out. But at one um, point, um, one of their uncles, who was quite inebriated, like walked up to our guitar player, Cliff Hillis. I don't know if you know Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and started yelling at him in the middle of one of our songs. And then, you know, Cliff is just trying to finish the song and play it. So, like, he wasn't acknowledging the guy. And, you know, and I'm like right here and I'm watching it transpire as I'm singing the song and then the guy just like two middle fingers right in close oh like and then he oh starts my God. And I was like well yep that's why is, we don't do it this is what you get for doing a wedding yeah I'm fine. Thank you so much. It stresses me out. Like, I did a wedding a few weeks ago with, you know, Stella Ruse. Mm -hmm. um, they do a handful of weddings a year. But, like, same as Ryan, I think. Like, people who kind of know their vibe. And mm -hmm. um, the whole set was, like, all fish, a lot of jam band stuff. Mm -hmm. And that was what the couple had requested. Like, yeah. everything was handpicked by the couple, like, on the set. But it was very specific stuff. And I was like, what about Grandma and all these other people? I'm like, they're not going to want to hear this. And it just seemed like I just was worried. I'm like, we can mm -hmm. surely throw in, like, some classics that we know are going to work. And they were like, no, no, this is what they wanted. And I was like, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. And you, never, you just never know. And it's like, the couple thinks they know, but we, sorry, we know. <laughs> we right. know more than the they would. The musicians are on the yeah. front lines here. <laughs> and if people are going to be entertained and there's hundreds of people there that aren't fish fans, I don't know. But in this case, they were right. And it really, almost everyone there, there were hardly any, like, family. It really seemed like a party of, like, the couple's friends. Right. And it was all fish heads. Right and, like, it was actually perfect. That's it was good. like a rave. They had, a, they had like, it was wild. Um, so sometimes it works out, but yeah. other times I'm like, you think this is going to work and it's what you want, but it's not really the right yeah. thing. So I, I try to limit the weddings, but it's been, I don't know, it pays. 
got to pay the bills. I mean, that's case. the thing about like, you know, the musical middle class, as I like to call our our community. You know, we have to find a way, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost impossible to just be like, I'm just going to go play my stuff, and that's how I'm going to survive. It's just almost yes not feasible. So you have to have you know, what I like to call, like, the, the multi-pronged plan <laughs> of how you, like, make money. Like, I, you know, I do about five different things for money, and I'm sure you do, too. Totally. You know? um, I mean, that aspect of realizing what it is to do this full-time has been really humbling and kind of exciting, too. Because, like, yeah. on one of the weddings I did, one of the guys that I've played with, like, plays on tour with John Legend. Like, these are super pro cats. No, um, oh. Chris Stevens. Oh, okay. He's a trumpet player. Okay. Well, I played they must know each him. other because my friend Ben O'Neill these, plays yeah, guitar. Yeah, a lot of these Legend. guys are like, like wow. we're amongst people in our community that mm-hmm. are super pro, and you might not even realize it, and everyone's still trying to like make Everybody's a buck and do, do the weddings. Thing. People are Absolutely. still doing, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No one's like above anything in our community in a good way. Like, it, right. it feels very communal in that sense. It's like, all right, we're all doing this, we're all right. working. I feel like... I love that. I feel like years ago, when things maybe were different in terms of like what the music business was and that kind of thing, like maybe there was like more of an attitude of judgment out there, like if you were doing certain things to make ends meet. There used to be like an air of judgment towards people that, you know, maybe, you know, were even playing cover gigs or whatever. Right. And I think that in a very positive way, that has gone away. Because yeah. people are just like, you gotta do what you gotta do. And everybody understands that. Totally. You know what I mean? And that's a good thing. I mean, it is. I feel like there's, it's almost people, they just respect that like, oh, you're working, you're doing what you can. And like, most people I know, even if they're doing the cover gigs or the weddings and all that, they still have a creative endeavor Oh, yeah. They're still hustling in their own thing. Everyone's just doing so much. It's just so. a way for you to survive, just so you, you can just do the thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> what you really want to do, mm-hmm. you know? So, I think it's great. Now, you used to do gigs on a cruise ship. That's what I want to talk about, because that is... Well, there's still some judgment wild. around that in the world, I think. <laughs> but for the most part, people just say, that's so cool, you traveled, you did, you were on the ship, wow. And um, it, it's funny, it's like both, at the same time, glamorized and also like sort of laughed at simultaneously. It's like people are jealous. It's like, oh, you traveled, you got paid, but you're on a cruise ship, and like that's somewhat lame. I mean, but I, I personally would look at it like it must be simultaneously like quite an adventure and quite a grind exactly that is Um, pretty spot on because you're pretty much trapped on there (laughs) yeah well honestly it was it was a huge huge part of me realizing i could play music for a living like Mm -hmm. that was my first time ever in a band was on a cruise ship I had studied music in college in New York and I didn't know how to get gigs. I hadn't played with other people really other than like the little jazz quartet in my jazz vocal ensemble yeah. and like that was it. And I was desperate to play in a band and like uh, found a gig on Craigslist and went... That's how you found the gig? Yeah. Yeah. 
I Give would me your search. best recollection of uh, what that ad read like. <laughs> so I went on Craigslist every day. I, was, I graduated from Barnard, then I moved to Brooklyn with a friend. Mm-hmm. Rent was crazy. Like, I yeah, don't I'm sure. <laughs> know how I was doing that. My dad was helping me. I was working like three part-time jobs and I would I wanted to sing and I just didn't know how and I was so daunted and I knew there was a lot of music happening around me in New York yeah. but I was like you can't just sh- I don't know I don't know I don't have a band yeah and I would search for singer and sewing machines would come up <laughs> most of the time people <laughs> selling old sewing Taylor machines Taylor for about a year and <laughs> <laughs> wow and then one time this ad popped up for a group that already had a gig on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean for four months and they needed a female vocalist and they were holding auditions in Brooklyn at like some rehearsal space. I was like, oh my God, yes. So they said, yeah, come and audition. I was stuck late at my receptionist job at an acupuncture clinic (laughs) in like Union Square and I couldn't make it to the um, rehearsal space or the wherever they were doing the auditions Mm -hmm. in time. And they said, okay, well, you can just come to our loft in like Greenpoint or Williamsburg or wherever they were. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I don't want to go to your apartment. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I liked the public meeting place. After all, this is Craigslist in like 2012. Right, you don't want to be. And I hadn't told my parents about this at all. I was just like, I really kept it under wraps for everybody. And I was like, if I get the gig, then it's going to be so great to just like say I have it and brag. And that's exactly what ended up happening. But Mm -hmm. I remember walking up to this loft it's like an artist kind of housing situation. Everybody in the building was like artists living right. really cheaply. And there were just trash bags lining the whole hallway outside of where I was about to go in. It's like, hey guys, why are there trash bags everywhere? And they were like, oh, we just had a bed bug situation. So we had to take everything out. And oh then I'm like, so why are you inviting me into your house right now? Like, is this a thing? Like, no, it's fine now. I'm like, all right. And, um, just kind of hung out with these two random dudes from North Carolina who were the band. It was a trio and a keyboard player and a guitarist. And the one guy had already done the gig and he was like, it's really fun. We could totally land this. Like, and then they, they hired me like the next day they like emailed me. They're like, yep, we definitely want you. Cause I was there for hours. Like we ended up just hanging out and jamming and I was like over the moon cause no, I had I... never done it. I was like, this is a band. Oh my God. Oh, that's my awesome. first band. And they're like, yeah. So we're leaving in July, you have to fly to Spain, get on the ship in Barcelona, the cruise line covers that, covers everything. So we did it, and like I first went to North Carolina for 10 days to rehearse with these random strangers, and kind of immediately fell in love with the guitar player, which was not the best <laughs> professional move. Right, well, that hey, sort of these things was happen. a disaster. I'm good, thank you so much. Um, you like Oh, no, I'm good. And yeah, we did the gig, and it was it was really a learning experience because um, we only went into the gig maybe knowing like 20 songs because we had only rehearsed for like a week together. And, and how many did you need? <laughs> you really need at least a hundred to feel comfy because the cruises were like 12 days long, and you play three times a day. So oh my god, <laughs> you can play the same song. It's not like. You know, we just shifted the order. It's not like we had sets. Like, we sort of just... All right, well, we played Free Fallen yesterday. I guess we're playing it today, but we'll play it in our last set as opposed to our first set. Right. Oh, my God. All right, we're playing Bad Moon Rising again. Like, yeah, we're great. So, it was intense. 
in terms of just really more personality-wise, like being in love and involved with the one guy, and we were keeping that from the other guy, and then right. the other guy, whose last name was Brinker, Drinker and Brinker, Brinker. <laughs> and we didn't really get along, and we sort of had a falling out uh, when we still had another month to go. And that one letter. That's that one. <laughs> it was Drinker, Brinker, Wagner, which sounded like a law firm. <laughs> That's great. And first, we... We were there as the Wagner trio, because Wagner was the one who put the band together mm -hmm. and had done it. And then the cruise line said, oh, people are coming to your sets and they think you're going to be playing Wagner. It's, just, it's confusing. They think you're a string group. <laughs> so we got to change that. There's so many cruise passengers that are uh, looking to hear <laughs> Wagner on the ship. Oh, my God. And so we had to change it. And then we were, what were we, what was our other name? Well, Wagner thought we should be called Union Station because he used to live in D.C. I'm like, that's already a band. Alison Krauss oh, right. already has that band. And he was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, All right. She's so, not doing the cruise ship she's circuit. She's not, yeah. Oh, my God. So we were Union Station. Like, you have your memoir. I, I always feel like I have enough stories from the cruise ship to write a book. <laughs> it was really wild. I bet you do. But um, I'm actually trying to go back to the ship, hopefully this winter, if I really? can get a good gig. Nice. Yeah, I haven't been there since 2016. Um, so you still have your connects with I all do. That? I have an agent that just books for the ship. Oh. And Josh and I are trying to get a duo gig, which would oh, be yeah. really like low-key, you know, not as rigorous. Because after the trio gig with Drinker, I mean, with Brinker and Wagner... <laughs> I went on to do a few more contracts with people from Philly that I kind of recruited, and that right. became my band, and that's right. the guys so I've been playing with. Ethan and Coop and Yeah, all they've all done the cruise, and we were the party band, which was a lot more intense than the trio yeah. playing at the like coffee shop, you know? What does that so, do to your voice, having to do it was three rough. sets a day? It was day. bad. When I first did, like I came home from the trio gig, recruited some friends, the Funky T, who mm -hmm. is my band now, they weren't all ready for the cruise yet. Like, they had other things, land life things <laughs> that were happening. <laughs> land lover stuff. And they couldn't go. And so, but Ethan was down, and Ethan had two, uh, two buddies that wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we all went, and we were called Emily Drinker and the Nightcaps. Love it. Which was great. But mm -hmm. then the cruise line said it's too long to fit in the program every day, so they had shortened it to Emily and the Nightcaps, and the joke is lost on that. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> and that was my first time really in a band with a drummer, like a real mm -hmm. like rock band, and my voice was destroyed. Like it was toast. Three hours every I can't, night. I can't even. It's supposed to be like a wedding band, kind of like party music where people are dancing. We were terrible. The cruise line said, You guys suck. We're going to fire you. Um, you have like. 10 days to figure it out. We're throwing a big party, get your shit together. The cruise director's gonna come to this party that we're making you do as we sail away from St. Petersburg, Russia. It's gonna be this big event. He's gonna walk in at any time in the night. Like, you don't know when he's gonna show up. And if you, if the dance floor isn't packed when he comes through, you're you're leaving. That's like, it. you're out. Wow. And Very specific. I was terrified <laughs> and I was like, became this boss lady with, with the guys because everyone's like partying a lot I'm like, mm -hmm. if I get fired because of you guys if we're going home not because of them all of us kind of sucked but <laughs> we we passed we played Crocodile Rock when oh, the guy yeah. happened to come in and it was like a huge hit but my voice was destroyed and um, came home and had to do like 
I don't know, maybe like half a year of like vocal therapy. Like oh, I went God. to this famous yeah. doctor in Philly who is an ENT who works with singers. Mostly wow. this guy who has treated like, like his whole waiting room is famous people. Like <laughs> Meatloaf. Voice doctor to the stars. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, had to do all this stuff and really just needed to rest after singing that much. And then when I went back again with my band a year later, we really split the singing duties between me and Ethan, and it was way better. And I had just learned how to sing and correct some bad habits I mm-hmm. picked up. And I was okay. And even though the doctor was like, you'll never sing again if you go back on the cruise. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. He was harsh. He was like, that's the end of your career. Don't do that. Mm. But figured it out. Um, and now, thinking about doing a duo, that would be, like, the easiest. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, if we can get something, it would be like kind of a paid vacation together and get away from the cold for the winter. And, That's amazing. Indeed. You know, I went to 41 countries during my like two and a half, three wow. years on ships. Yeah, it was crazy. So That's not a bad amazing. gig, got a salary. Yeah. Didn't have to pay for food or rent or anything. Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. And Did this you... time, if I go, I'm really thinking of it more from my... Yeah point of view as an artist now like I'm not going because I'm desperate to be in a band and I've never mm-hmm. played I have so much more experience yes. and if I go it's really like on my terms to just to work like I can release songs while I'm there if I'm organized enough ahead of time and right. have everything I and can, then, I can and work. then you would have a captive audience to be like oh by the by right <laughs> and I almost think I could capitalize on like a cute like TikTok kind of just about ship life because it's yeah. it really interesting and like it's a perspective that not a lot of people have um, so I'd kind of want to do sort of like vlogs about that lifestyle maybe I think that I would know. be amazing yeah I would be very curious about that yes yeah, so I'm hoping to do it and like have a different focus than when I did it when I was like 24 right oh, that's great it's like 10 years later <laughs> <laughs> so. so even when you were like in the midst of all that you were always focused on being like an, like an original artist and you were writing songs and mm-hmm. had that all going on simultaneously? I wanted to be. I, I didn't really know that that was possible. You mm-hmm. know, I came home from the ship in 2016 and decided like, all right, I'm going to try to do my original stuff more and I have this band that I just played for 10 months on the ship with. So, it yeah. was the Funky T. Mm-hmm. We were already a Philly band before I had met them. And... They knew all my tunes because we had started playing, sneaking them into our cruise ship sets and recorded and started to really like kind of just be active in the, the scene here. Yeah. And that's kind of what I've been doing since, yeah, early 2017. And oh, that's awesome. It's been great. I've been able to, I don't know, really just dig in. So. Yeah, I mean, just in that time span, like I've seen you do so much cool stuff you know I mean it's been really Thanks. awesome yeah. to, to watch thank you I have been able to do some cool stuff I'm really grateful and you know I think this is the case for a lot of artists COVID sort of mm-hmm. gave us more of a chance as awful as it was obviously but all of that time to sort of recommit to certain <clears throat> things and I agree I mean for like you said, as, as bad of a situation as it was, I mean, it was definitely, you know, one of those things where, um, you know, I got a lot done. <laughs> yeah, me too. I learned you how know. to edit videos and like, mm-hmm. 
was recording a lot at home. And oh, that's the thing. Yeah, that's definitely the thing. It's like I became like such a uh, multifaceted, you know, because obviously I talk to a lot of musicians about this. Like we are our own everything. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to you know social media manager, manager manager. Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. And during COVID, it was like, well, you have no choice. Like, just learn. <laughs> I'm actually really grateful for that, though, because I... Me too. I, um, I think that, for me, at this point in my life, like, exploring different facets of creativity is very important to me, and it's mm -hmm. something I enjoy. And, you know, even before I was into music as a teenager, like, I had, like, serious, like, movie-making aspirations. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I just, if I make like a stupid like 30 second Instagram reel or something, and like the edit is just so spot on, it's like a little point of pride. You know? Of course. It's like, it's like letting you tap oh, into that, that is such part a, of you. That... That's such a great cut, man. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And, uh, and I, you know, I get into that stuff, so I feel lucky that... Um, you know, for a lot of, I do have a lot of musician friends that are like, I can't stand doing social media. Like, I don't want to have to do it. And, and it, you know, there's no even like drop of enjoyment that they can wring out of the process of doing it. And I feel like, you, can. you know, like, I, I can. Like, I wish that I didn't have to do it all, all the time. I would, you know, I would love to have like an intern or an assistant yeah. or something. But, by the same token. You can enjoy it. I do enjoy it, yeah. It's fun to do. And, and you're um, good at it. Well, thank you. I I just think it allows, um, well, it's especially fun when I'm, do, like, so, you know, my collaboration with Annalise, like, she's very into it also. So it's nice to, like, just do something fun with a friend that is also yeah. something that you can use to support a thing that you're doing and right. putting out there. So it doesn't quite it, feel as It doesn't feel like, like work. work. Right. It just feels like, oh, we're doing a we're stupid thing. That we're now Yeah. <laughs> that's such a great yeah. way to look at it instead of just feeling like it's a chore and like, oh, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. I resent that this is essential for the working artist today. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's all in how you frame it. There's like, many things that we can be resentful about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you made any more decisions about your Patreon situation? So, still so eager to do it, mm -hmm. and I just feel like I've been kind of stuck on this idea of creating like some piece of merch that is just for the patrons. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, maybe that's overkill. To, like, I could still launch it before I have that, and then I've just been going back and forth about it. I'm like, but it would be a really great selling point if I have the actual, at least the design in hand, if not the shirt itself. Mm -hmm. But it's just scary to like invest in hiring an artist and ordering a bunch of shirts when I don't, you know what I mean? I agree. But I do think that it will work. It's just, yeah. I haven't hired anybody. Like I've been kind of deciding who I would want to design it. And like, I have this idea of what I wanted to look like a t-shirt to look like. But I was like messing around with AI, um, like designer tools to just get that, my ideas. I tried that a couple of times. It was not Oh good. my God. It was so bizarre. <laughs> I have to show you. So like, you know, I want my patrons to be the designated drinkers. Oh. Did I tell you that? <laughs> so good. <laughs> one, of my one of my fans came up with that. He was like, where are the brilliant. designated drinkers? I was like, that's brilliant. 
And so I just kind of pictured like a shirt or a pin or a hat or something with like this logo of like people clinking glasses and mm -hmm. it just has like a text bubble that says designated drinkers. That's it. But I like went on to Dream Studio, I think is the AI okay. site that I tried. I also tried Dolly. Um, they're different ones where you have a text input and mm -hmm. then it spits out an image yeah. based on what you typed in. And all I said was a 50s, like people from the 1950s clinking glasses and laughing with a text bubble that reads designated drinkers. And the images were like so disturbing. <laughs> like their hands have like seven fingers. And like, like this one's actually pretty cool. Oh, that is kind of cool. Like that sort of captures the vibe, but like look at his hand. <laughs> like the, like why a, is the liquid it's like, like a hideous claw. And, <laughs> and like, it, none of the text was in English. I don't even know what it was. It was like, dingo. And I'm like, why can't it the read? dingo ate your baby. I said it should read designated drinkers, but it like can't <laughs> Instead, do it that. Dingo. How weird, right? So this would be something fun to share with my patrons yeah. eventually. Oh, like This whole process. I think I love the concept <laughs> of like rejected ideas for stuff. Right? I'm actually... Um, I'm doing a, a series of reels for Ghostwriter where, like, Annalise and I just shot so much footage. I of, love like, it. Just I was utter, just watching it. Like, <laughs> like, it's so dumb. Good. You have to swing the bat. <laughs> right. But, but I'm framing it in, like, you know, rejected Ghostwriter reel number 63. That's funny. And, the, you know, it's <laughs> But, yeah. That's clever. I think that that would, you know... Sharing those things with people would be great. Right? Yeah, yeah we're good, thank you. I'll have another tea. So it kind of is cool in the sense of like using the AI mm -hmm. thing for that just to get my idea a little more solidified. Yeah. And then like I don't know if I would show that to an artist because that's sort of insulting probably, but just be like, well this is what I'm picturing and at least help me kind of clarify mm -hmm. what I want. And that is sort of what I want, you know? You bring up an interesting thing. It's still thing. my idea. Like, yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot because I'm like, on the one hand, we're part of an artist community that like AI could really impact in a way that maybe we don't anticipate or want. Yeah. And obviously Absolutely. visual artists are in some ways even more Thank you. That. Where where are you feeling with all of that stuff? And like, you know, so part of me, obviously, like, I want all artists to be able to thrive and survive. Yeah. And I know that this could be like a really big deal impact-wise. There's also a part of me that's like, I want to be able to literally do everything that I need to do by myself, and I could maybe utilize this shit. Yeah. <laughs> um. But. Thus far, all of my attempts to use AI have turned out to be just like even worse versions of what you just showed me, which is just like people that are like hideously mutated. I, I really only see it right now. I mean, I'm terrified by it. I also think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I see it as a tool to yeah. kind of work through ideas and like yeah. help, help with the brainstorm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great for that. I mean, I don't see an issue with that because it's still me doing the brainstorming and just typing that into the thing and letting it sort of 
spit things back to me. Mm -hmm. And that's really useful for an artist yeah. when you get I stuck. Agree. And um, like I still, I want to hire a human to ultimately make ultimately the it. design for me. Yeah. And so preferably a human I know in the local, you know, in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, as a jumping off point, kind of cool. And mm -hmm. it was fun and like, it was really weird and creepy too and like gave me nightmares. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Which you want. <laughs> but I'm terrified of, uh, of course, of like the implications with our own, with music. Like somebody played me a song and they were like, tell me if you notice anything about the song. I'm like, sounds kind of off. I'm like, oh my God, is this a robot? And they were like, yeah. Mm -hmm. The singer oh. is, is an AI singer. I was like, it sounded like she just, she didn't speak English out of her first language and some of the words were pronounced a little differently and I just thought, okay, she's from another place and mm -hmm. all right, that's fine. But I was like, oh my God, it wasn't even a human. So that yeah. freaks me out, you know, being replaced. And that was for a sync project. Like I do some music for TV stuff. Uh -huh. And one of the people I collaborate with was the one who sent me, showed me that. It's like, oh, you're just going to have this robot do the singing now. And there yeah. goes my already kind of low <laughs> pay that I get from that right. sort of work at this stage. Because I'm not doing that. I'm not really super focused on that yeah. side of the industry. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be, but it's kind of hard for me to balance with performing and my own stuff so I used to do a bunch of commercial stuff like about 10 years ago um there were a couple of guys that I used to work with in Philly that did you know like traditional like jingles and stuff mm. the one guy passed away last year mm. um sadly yeah. but um actually I uh, I would very often um be on jobs like that you know uh Sonia Bontrager. Yeah. She used to do that kind of stuff. But we were, oh, really? we were very often on the same job. I didn't we even sang know that. Like a, we sang like this bank jingle um, that to this day still runs in New Jersey. It's Ocean First Bank. No way. <laughs> I love I could, Sonia. I could, I could sing you the whole thing. It was like one of the catchiest things. And this guy, Joe Fusco, wrote it. And um, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was it was quite an interesting. Um, I, I had always wished that I could do it more, but it was, you know, however the winds were blowing mm -hmm. with like advertising is how Joe's life would go. It was really like tough to watch for a while because like he was just like getting no work for like years. Jeez. <laughs> you know, and he had to like figure out what else he could do. He was a brilliant guy. Um, really good guitarist and obviously he could write a jingle but it's sort of different now like my um, housemate and bandmate Ethan Kane mm -hmm. his mom was a jingle writer in like oh, wow. 70s eight, and like 80s wow. in Atlantic City and she had a ton of stuff on the radio and TV and stuff and I have actually all of her jingle like her whole jingle reel I should show it oh, to you later so awesome it's incredible but it's like kind of feels like a thing of the past yeah and well, it's like, it's interesting to think about, in my opinion, because, like, everything is so intertwined, you know, like, the world has changed so much that, like, the impact of radio itself is considerably weakened, so advertisers are obviously going to spend less money on not only just, like, advertising at all, but, like, producing ads with original work right. in it, like, nobody's going to pay for that. You know, so the only jingles you hear now are the ones that have been on for 20 years. Yeah. You know, so it's wild. 
I mean, but why can't they be focusing on jingles for like all of the Instagram ads that we can escape or YouTube? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's still that's true an opportunity I mean, there, but I feel like yeah, all right. It's also the whole attention span thing. Yeah. Which I'm really yeah. struggling with. <laughs> you know, like, That's what it is. I can't seem to condense what I want to say below 30 seconds or whatever. And you really need to be like nine seconds or something like that. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, yeah like Ethan's mom's jingles were fully produced like whole songs yeah and no yeah nobody really has time for that no one's gonna listen to that <laughs> even though i love it i love to geek out about it and like listen to them and the craftsmanship is amazing but yeah i don't know it's in uh, a, a conversation i was having with one of my friends recently like we both kind of came to the conclusion that we live in a post-song world <laughs> no <laughs> i'm like that's kind of weirdly true we live in a 30 second but on the other hand <laughs> it does sort of push you to be as economical as you can be <laughs> I mean in a way that kind of works for me I've always been great at writing in a short verse mm -hmm. with just a verse or in a chorus and then kind of giving up and then not Everybody necessarily workshopping like it so songs, yeah, just put those this, out this could work <laughs> And a lot of my loops are kind of short mm -hmm. and then made longer by the loops, you know, the harmonies themselves. Yeah. But like, I don't know. When did you get into looping? I, let's see, I got the looper after that first cruise ship gig, mm -hmm. I guess. And was okay. messing around with it. And then, yeah, so like. That's a very cool. Bunch of years aspect of what Thanks. you do. It's fun. It brings in my acapella mm -hmm. roots. Um, yeah. It's been really cool to sort of use it with my band. Like, I'll lay down the loop and then the whole band will come in. Mm -hmm. It's tough because we don't have a click or anything. We're just doing it <laughs> off of my tempo. time. <laughs> it's all based on, yeah, if I mess up, then it's sort of That's impressive, though. a mess. Well, but it's fun though. It's kept us on our toes. If there is a band that could pull it off, it's <laughs> your band. <laughs> These guys are amazing. Yeah, I definitely want to launch the Patreon. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to like focus on some new ways of generating not only income but just engaging with people. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm sort of. I don't know. Like after a really busy summer of gigging, I'm sort of like, what am I doing now? What's next? Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about the cruise as sort of an escape. I hear you. <laughs> uh, from life, which wouldn't be the worst thing, but also like, what do I want to do? And I, it would, I would think it would be like a rejuvenating thing because it, one of the things like right before I made the decision to start writing my book, the thought like consistently crossed my mind like. Well, this year was kind of very much like last year. Almost like, oh, I, yeah. did, I did this in March of last year, too. Right. And that's not a feeling that I like. Mm-hmm. Like, I want Same. everything to kind of, like, have its own life. You know, if you break it down into, like, a random time period. Like, I don't want carbon copies of Same. 
you know, this year to that year. So I think I've deliberately tried to make decisions and shape my, you know, my life toward it being kind of new all the time. Yeah. Um, it's cool to be able to do that, right? It's great to be able Love to do it. it. Um, I'm very lucky to be able to do it, but it's it's but it you know it also comes at a price, of course. Um, you know because I'm not in always a, knowing where you're well. Gonna... I'm in a constant like state of like, okay, well, awesome. what am I going to do, and is that going to pay the bills and those kinds of things? But it, it's okay. I mean, I've I've kind of like geared my life to be somewhat minimalist. Me too. And so Me too. it doesn't take doesn't take much to uh, run the engine, you know. It just takes maybe like two or three gigs a month. Right. And keep it going. I have the Patreon thing. Yeah. I have you know how to do it. You know. What I feel you need like I have a grip on how to make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah, me too. It's weird because it's like I'll have a really busy weekend. Like I've kind of been performing like four, or five times a week That's lately, a which is a little too much. But yeah. I have this habit of, you know, during the weekdays, like I'm free Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, usually during the day. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm such a bum. Like, what am I doing? I'm lazy. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, I'm going to be working all weekend, nonstop. Like 80 straight hours. Yeah. And so it's just funny. I still kind of do that where I'm like hard on myself. I'm like, I should have a normal person job. And do it's like, you, no, I'm working. Do you have so, like a, like a, um, it sounds like you might be hard on yourself where like productivity is concerned. I have that problem myself. I don't know if it's a problem, but I have that oh, situation. I'm <laughs> hard on myself. Yeah. Well, I'm, I feel like a lot of the musicians that I know who are doing this, like we are just, that's their main thing. Like we're all kind of workaholics. Yeah. And because it's on us. Mm-hmm. And I always know how you to don't do it, pick up a gig. It? And I rarely say no. So like mm-hmm. I wasn't, this weekend, for instance, I didn't really have a ton going on. Like, and then I, Ethan offered me two things. I'm like, okay, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> okay, yep. And they're they're kind of like cover gigs, and mm-hmm. I'm still doing this because I just get panicky sometimes. But I'm like, like you. I'm very you, minimalist. If, like if you, I live super cheaply, and yeah. I don't need a whole lot. And I've actually been able to save a lot of money, which is crazy as an well, artist. I'm I not in debt. It's great so. that you guys have that kind of communal living situation <laughs> over there. And it's very cool <laughs> to see that. And I'm sure that that has its own <laughs> set of whatever. <laughs> but um, No, it is. It is great, though. But I'm sure it is. Um, and you guys do Cinnamon Fest. We have our next one coming up. Nice. We're doing one uh, in a few weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, that's been such a great part of my life, just to realize I can be someone who, like, plans. Like, that's not about me playing with my band. That's just, I don't think we're playing at all. We didn't yeah. book ourselves. Right. We just booked people we know. And yeah. just being uh, a, having a place where I can get a bunch of great people together and just that basically throw a party. It's great, yeah. Yeah, and realizing, like, that's a huge piece of the 
puzzle for me as like an independent artist. Mm -hmm. It's just like well, connecting with people. Yeah, connection and building community and all those things are, are a big part of it. You know? Yeah. And it's great that you have that ability to do that and are yes. using it. It's really cool. I, I love, love it. I loved playing your place a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was so much thanks. fun. Yeah, you were at the first one. Yeah. Was, um, I remember being pretty nervous about that, actually. Really? Yeah, because, you know, like, I really only knew, like, you guys. You know, there was a handful of people that would like, that I, like, looked at. I was like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, that's even better. Yeah, well, it ended up being great, but, like, it, it was, there was, you know, you just get that, mm, let's see how this goes, you know? <laughs> But it was so much fun. I really, really enjoyed it's it. It's grown. Like, it's, yeah. I just feel like the word has gotten out. And it's. I, I still always panic that nobody's coming and we're not going <laughs> to recover all the, the money that we put into mm -hmm. it. It's just, every time we've done it, we've, we have. We've been able to pay everybody what we promised them mm -hmm. or, or more. Yeah. And made everything back. That's but great. I still worry about it but that's just kind of how I that's operate. The like, I'm a hustler. Yeah. Like, I just need pressure in order to get stuff done. So, like, I almost just invent that pressure a lot of the time mm -hmm. so that I can, like, get to promoting. And, yeah, I'm a little insane sometimes, well, you I know, think. We, we I think have, we all have to be. We have a lot of things in common where it yeah. comes to that stuff because you're absolutely right. Like, some, especially when you're, you know, you're your own boss. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you're accountable to only your standards of how things go and I do have to manufacture pressure mm -hmm. all the time and it's it sucks it's not it, great it's, for the nervous it's system it's not great no it's, uh, <laughs> when everything is actually okay and you're fine but it's like and you're like ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear you. oh I remember what I wanted to ask you like I know you played uh with Pat Benatar was that that was a cool. cool Wait, didn't you open for her too? I did once before too, yeah. Yeah, I opened for her last summer at this big outdoor venue in Quakertown. It was super cool. That's awesome. She's amazing. She's, uh, I mean... So classy. I like, got a chance to tell her this story, but um, when I was like 13, that was right around the time that um, her second album... Crimes of Passion came out. That's you know, hit me with your best shot and treat me right and all that. And I got a Super 8 movie camera for Christmas that I had yes. begged my mom for so that I could make movies with my friends. And I popped like a, like a little film cartridge in there, and like literally the first thing I ever filmed, which is like when you think about it, like so like not creative. <clears throat> was I, there was a Pat Benatar video on TV. This is before MTV. So like seeing like an actual music video is like, wasn't a thing. What is this? You yeah. Know? And so like I filmed <laughs> the Pat Benatar video for, I think. Oh, like, like on the TV. Like uh, Treat Me Right, yeah. Like 90 seconds of it. And that was my first thing Your first? on my movie camera. Which is so you told weird. her. So you told her that? Oh. Yeah. She was very, very nice. I got to open for her at the um, Grand Opera House in Wilmington, Delaware, cool. which was really amazing. Sweet. Yeah. I'm glad you got to interact with her too, and that you know told her that story. I mean, it was, was very cool. brief, but I was like, I, I gotta tell you, because <laughs> you know, she's like a legend. A, yeah, like a, her a musical hero from like childhood. Like those people hold like such a yeah 
place in your yes. heart. Yeah. You know, and to. Uh, and when you meet someone that is that much of a hero, and for them to be really nice and cool yeah. is important, right. you know? Because sure. I've met other famous people who were not as cool. Not and, nice and, and then cool. you feel sort of let down. Like, but, but you meant so yeah. much to me, and now I'm sort of pissed off. She I've was so great. Yeah. <laughs> she was, like, really kind. She told me she picked me out of, like, a whole lineup of people that they oh, sent her right yeah I guess they wanted someone local but like they presented her like a list and she's like I listen to everybody and I picked you because I, lo- I love great singers wow and hell yeah I was like she's said I'm a great singer that is the coolest so Damn. I know I was just like so honored and then I wanted my I couldn't bring whole band which is mm-hmm. an annoying thing about like getting these great opportunities opening right. for people but God forbid they you upstage want, them they just want solo so acoustic. they just want that or they let me bring a trio for that so Ethan and Josh played mm-hmm. with me and I said oh can I bring my guys in to meet you too and she's like sure and I couldn't find them I'm like where are they and Neil was like Oh, I saw them behind the on the other side of our tour bus smoking dope, and I was like, "Oh, smoking dope, smoking dope." He's like, "Oh, they're out there." Like, great first impression with oh come Pat on, Neil. like they haven't seen. I know, it all. I know. It was hilarious. That guy was like sixteen year old. <laughs> I'm sure. Guitar with, with Rick Derringer when he was a kid. You know? I'm sure he smoked some dope in his day. <laughs> smoking dope. <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't been around a little dope in our day? Huh? Let's be real. I want to thank Emily Drinker for that really fun and illuminating conversation. Don't forget to check out all her goings-on at her official website, emilydrinker.com. And I also want to thank you for listening. And if you are one of the Patreon slash Patreon supporters who makes this show possible, I'm sending you my thanks and an extra big hug. It's tougher now than ever for working musicians to keep the lights on. And uh, we've had some unsettling news of late concerning platforms like Bandcamp and Spotify and, you know, how we are able to make a living. So it really feels like the Patreon model is one of the only viable ways left to significantly support the creative middle class. So if you already do support me on Patreon, I am sincerely grateful. And if you're interested in learning more, please visit me at patreon.com slash johnkimfay, where you can subscribe for as little as $2 a month. And trust me when I tell you that literally every single dollar helps. I appreciate all of you, and I'm looking forward to doing even more of these wonderful episodes. So until then, I'm John Kim Fay, and I'll see you next time on Talking at the Diner. Talking at the Diner.